Welcome to Dad Teaches Me About Wine, the podcast that teaches you as much as you pretend to know about wine. I am Madeline Quigley. And I'm Matt Quigley. Your blanket, actually. Um, and I'm good to go. How about you? Yeah. Cool. How's it going, Dad? Okay. And welcome back. I think this is episode 10. Um, which I think we've been doing this for almost two months now. Which is crazy to think. You're like, no, that doesn't... That wouldn't fall under what I think is crazy, but... Been a little bit. You got nothing to no no comment on that. No decline comment. Okay, um, so today we have a wine in front of us that matches my chipped red nail polish pretty well. Uh, if you um, follow us on Instagram, I'll post a photo of just how well this wine matches my chipped nail polish. Um, so yeah, you should follow us at Dad Teaches Me About Wine. Uh, but Dad, what are we what are we drinking today? So today's episode is entitled The Other California because... I don't uh, know if I'm going to call it The Other California. I might call it like The Rest of California or something. Because a couple of weeks ago we did Napa, which is obviously a big part of California, but California has another, a lot of other very interesting areas. So what we're drinking today is a Talbot uh, Sleepy Hollow Vineyard Pinot Noir. 2013. And uh, for those not in the know, Sleepy Hollow is a uh, vineyard in the Santa Lucia Highlands, which is near uh, Monterey, near Monterey, uh, just to the southwest of the Salinas Valley. Can I see the label? I can't, I, I um, thought, never thought I'd say this, but I actually think I'm coming to like American labels because... They're so much easier to understand than European labels. Just two months ago when we began, this label would have scared me, but now I understand. Well, I still don't know where Sleepy Hollow Vineyard is, but... Well, now I do because you told me. Oh, the, there's a map on the back. Okay, cool. This is a nice wine. Can I ask you... Wait, so this is a nice wine? <laughs> um, well, first of all, you should always let your taste buds decide whether it's a nice wine or not. Um, well, normally I, I think it's a, I believe it's a nice wine. Then my question is, is the myth about cork versus screw top wine just totally dispelled at this point? Pretty much so. Because this um, is a screw top wine. Right. The, the screw top is a, uh, it was born out of convenience because it preserves the wine for a long period of time, but doesn't have all the drawbacks of cork. One which is expense, and the other is the occasional wine which is corked, C-O-R-K-E-D, meaning that it takes on a very unpleasant taste like rotting from the processed cork. So a certain percentage of bottles are going to be corked. Well, it's not a high percentage, is it? Well, you know, it's one of those things, it's kind of like uh, when the... Uh, government talks about 
diseases, and they always say, you know, 5 to 10% of the population, and usually that's a grotesque exaggeration. And It's kind of the same thing about corked wines. I think, you know, I've had thousands of bottles of wine, and I can remember on one hand the number of corked wines that I've had. Okay, so I actually think this is slightly off topic, and then we'll, I promise we'll start talking about other parts of California, but... I think it's really interesting. I I think people, it is a common misconception when you go to a restaurant and you buy a bottle of wine and the waiter pours a little bit in a glass that he's saying, you like? Because at that point, that's not what they're asking. You have already chosen that wine. What they're seeing is if it's been corked, right? Correct. So they're not saying like, you dig? You you still want it? Because we could just close back up and you can try again. No, what they're saying is like, this one isn't rotten, right? Correct. Yeah, it's but if it's corked, you'd be able to tell. Right. And I think I've had one or two bottles of wine ever in a restaurant that were corked. Um, Did you say something? Oh, yeah. Because the wine is really not drinkable at that point. Okay. All right. Well, it's so hard when you are... I feel like most of the wine I buy, if you had a sip, you'd be like, what? This is corked garbage. I'd be like, no, that's just what I can afford. <laughs> um, cool. Well, well, I think it's it's one of those situations where all you'd have to do is taste one corked wine and you'd understand what corked wine tastes like. And it doesn't taste like a bad wine. It tastes like wine that somebody poured cleaning fluid into. I, again, can't really imagine what that tastes like. Yeah, it's a very dramatic, off-putting taste. Is it like closer to vinegar? No, it's... You, you can't describe it with words. You just have to have experienced it. I have to be so lucky as to have had a corked wine. Okay, cool. Well, so today we're talking about California wines that are not Napa Valley. And this is kind of a broad topic that I let my dad roll roll with. And now that we're here, I'm kind of wondering how we're going to piece this together, if I'm being completely honest. But I think he's got a plan. I saw him looking at some maps earlier today. What's well, all about geography? As as we know, it's all about geography. So when I think of California, I think of this long state. And up at the very top, you have like Pacific Northwest, like Oregon, Seattle type weather. And then that slowly trickles all the way down to like Los Angeles, What's the one at the very bottom? San Diego. San Diego. I was going to say San Jose, but I knew that one's near San Francisco. But paradoxically, San Diego is cooler than Los Angeles. I'm sure there's something with some mountains and some sea breezes in there. Yeah, yeah. it's the water. <laughs> yeah, so then um, there's obviously a ton of coast, which affects the temperature. There's a lot of mountain ranges, which also affect the temperature. And then all of this affects the wine. Uh, I guess the short of it is yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so we Napa Valley is slightly north of San Francisco. Right. Probably about 30, 40 miles north. So we discussed Napa Valley in our Napa Valley episode. Is there anything more north of Napa Valley that is notable noteworthy yeah yes okay so it probably makes sense to kind of start at the top and work down that's what I was doing we're going to use gravity yeah so just west of Napa is Sonoma 
And at the very north end of Sonoma is an area called the Russian River Valley, which is basically a river valley which opens into the ocean. So this is subject to a lot of influence from from the sea. Sonoma is west of Napa Valley? Correct. Oh, so it's closer to the ocean. Closer to the ocean. So at the very northern end of Sonoma is the Russian River Valley. This is an area of some great cool weather grapes, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. And then as you go a little bit farther north, you get into the Anderson Valley, which is another river valley which runs east-west and therefore has a lot of uh, maritime influences. And this is another cool weather grape area, Chardonnays, Pinots. There's actually some uh, sparkling wine made there by the Roterer. That's cool. Um, I guess one way to think of California would be kind of like a hashtag, okay? And if you're a winery operating on the vertical portion, you're making like some hot grapes. And then sometimes these pa- these horizontal passages open up, breaks in the mountains and, stu- and such, and all these sea breezes come in, and they're in these valleys, and the temperatures are cooler in those areas, like the R- Russian River Valley, or there's one down by Santa Barbara. The, the short of it is, yes, the Pacific Ocean along the California coast in general is quite cool. So what you'll see is, if you look at a map, that a lot of the river valleys... And where the mountains run more east-west as opposed to north-south tend to be where the wine-growing regions are located. Wait, what? There are north-south ones, too. They're just hotter. In general, if you look at a topographical map of California, mountain ranges tend to run north-south, except when they don't. Okay. So we talked about northern Sonoma, and then if you go... Farther towards the uh, ocean, there's a whole nother appellation called Sonoma Coast, which is just developing now as another very cool grape area. What about north of that? Um, Not too much north of that. For whatever reason, they're not able to really produce ripe grapes of any any distinction. Sounds good. So then, so you got those areas north right. of San Francisco so we're, and right. Napa Valley. Is... So let's so let's go south of San Francisco. Right on. So if you jump about uh, 30 miles south of San Francisco, you're in the Santa Cruz Mountains, which have a beautiful view of the San Francisco Bay. And then you turn 90 degrees and you have a beautiful view of the Pacific Ocean. Are hills good for wine growing? Are they good for drainage yes. or whatever? Right. Okay. Precisely because they challenge the grapes. So they make the vines grow very long, deep roots. Um, and they also cut down on yield. As we said before, low yield typically means better grapes. Wait, can I interrupt with a a random question like a random trivia question well i already did okay i was reading a magazine this weekend and it was talking about the oldest known vineyard do you know where it was and what year or ish uh iran 500 years ago no it was georgia the country mm-hmm. 4000 bc Okay. Okay, just sharing. 
Well, wine has certainly been with us since pretty much since we've been people. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, uh, you were talking about um, Santa Cruz. Yeah. So Santa Cruz is a very interesting little tiny appellation, uh, which happens to house some pretty mighty producers, um, the most famous of which is Ridge, which produces Cabernet right at the top of the mountain. Absolutely beautiful view, and if you have nothing to do on a weekend, it's a wonderful... And you're in San Francisco. In San Francisco, it's a wonderful drive to go up to Ridge Winery. Yeah, but where could the, could the average person get their hands on this wine? Yeah, absolutely. Any state in this country, you could get some of this Ridge wine. Well, you may have to go online, but you can get it. Wouldn't most wine stores have it? Uh, it's not widely distributed because there isn't a lot made, but it's very well known among people who know anything about it. So south of Santa Cruz, as you go down the coast, the next thing you're going to hit is the Monterey area. The interesting aspect of the geography in Monterey is that, as I said, the, the mountain range kind of tilts at a 45 degree angle. So there's just this enormous valley which uh, is fed by the, the sea breezes. I'm going to rewind a quick sec. I think we should list off like the AVAs that people should look out for. So starting at the north. So there's Russian River Valley. Okay. Sonoma Coast. Okay. What kind of grapes are grown in those? These are going to be cool weather, Chardonnay and Pinot. Okay. And so- then Napa Valley and within Napa there's a gazillion, Roy. Correct. Roy? Yes. yes. Rutherford, like, Oakville, Yountville. He's like, stop spilling my secrets. So we got Russian River Valley. We got Sonoma Coast. We got our Napa Roy. Then we have San Francisco. Then right south of San Francisco, we have... What, Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. And Mountains. Yeah. What, what is the AVA in that area? Santa Cruz. You're going to be looking for basically cabs. There's a handful of amazing cabs made there. Cool. Um, and then south of that, you have Monterey and the Santa Lucia Highlands. Is, the Mo- is Monterey an AVA? Yes, the greater area is an AVA. So is Santa Lucia Highlands. Santa Lucia Highlands is a very tiny AVA within that big AVA. I, I think we need to pause for one moment in terms of uh, what we talked about, which is Santa Lucia Highlands. Okay, so Salinas Valley traditionally has been the salad bowl of the United States. As far as lettuce and things like okay, that. Okay, so the Santa Lucia Highlands is this area in Monterey, and within there, there's an area called the Santa Lucia Highlands. What is the difference? Where's Salinas in relation to that? Salinas is just a town sitting in the valley. Uh, the Salinas Valley. Correct. So the Santa Lucia Highlands uh, occur on what's called the bench, which is that the mountains sort of rise and then they have a sort of a flat area before they rise again, so it's called a bench. Uh-huh. And this is along the southern end of the Salinas Valley. And they grow lettuce. Well, within the valley they grow lettuce, but on the bench they grow grapes. And that's the Santa Lucia Highlands. And that AVA is one of the most uh, underrated um, AVAs in all of California in terms of uh, producing great wines. So um, as a tip 
to people who are listening, if you see a bottle which is Santa Lucia Highlands, a Pinot, um, more often than not, that, that's going to be a great bottle of wine. How many people produce in that area? Um, it's probably up to about 40 or 50 now. But it was originally just Pisoni. Correct. It was just Gary Pisoni who started the whole area some 30 years ago. And his family had a lettuce farm there, and he was yep. like, JK, we're doing wine now. And he completely made that area. And how his wines are super expensive and hard to get a hold of. Yeah, his wines run $75, $80 a bottle for Pinot. And they are subscription wines. So you typically will not find them in a um, retail store. We, but you were on you that. You will see them in a... Uh, uh, on a wine list in a in a nice restaurant. You were on that subscription, weren't you? I still am, but I have Pisoni Pinot going back to about oh five or oh six. Nice, yeah. nice. How long does a Pinot last in a bottle? Well, that wine will probably last twenty years easily. Cool. Okay, so from there. Well, from there, if we keep going south along the Salinas Valley, then we get into what's called Central Coast. And there are hundreds of thousands of acres filled with typically Chardonnay and such. But I did want to mention before we get out of Monterey, there's one other area which is just west of there, which is the Carmel Valley. And Carmel Valley is a... uh, Isn't it Carmel? Carmel Valley. Carmel. Yeah, if you drive just south of Monterey along Route 1, you'll see an exit for Carmel Valley Road. And if you drive out there about 45 minutes or so, you start getting into the mountains. They actually have vines out there. Talbot has has vineyards there, as does another great uh, Monterey producer, Bernardus. Is Carmel a sub-ABA? <clears throat> Yeah, it's another sub-AVA within um, Monterey. I'm starting to think it isn't that hard to become a sub-AVA. Am I wrong? Well, you have to produce things that are distinctive. Okay. So, And what kind of wines are they producing in Carmel? More Pinot and Chard. Got it. Got it, got it. What's your favorite? If you can only drink from one area that you've mentioned so far... Uh, reliable, great wine, Santa Lucia Highlands, probably the best wine from California I've ever had would be the uh, Carmel Valley. Really? Yep. But it's not reliable. Impossible to find. Impossible to find or... Impossible to find. But if you found it, it would be good. Why is it impossible to find? Because there's so little of it. Could you find it when we were in, in California this summer? Oh, yeah. If you drive out to Carmel Valley, you'll find it. Why didn't but you do that? I did. What was I doing? I have no idea. Okay. Hanging out in the ocean. Probably. Okay. Well, that makes sense. All right. Um, why, did, why did you like it so much? It's just a very distinctive, unique um, flavor profile. Okay. All right, so then Central Coast, there's a lot going on there. Is there anything that sticks out? 
Not really. There's a, a lot of grapes that are used basically for California Appalachian wines. So these are jug wine areas. So when you get your, your California blend from Charles, I want to say Charles Schwab, it is Two bucks Charles Shaw. Shaw. Yeah. Uh, that's might be where it's coming from. Uh, it could very likely somebody else's. Yeah, if it has California, generally. Okay. Right. So then, south of that chunk, where is the first place of note? Paso Robles. And can you give me how, what percentage? You know, top to bottom. If San Francisco is like tw- so, you are now five percent of you the are way now, down. You are now ninety miles south of. San Francisco. See, that's not that far to me. You're down, yeah, you're 90 miles south on 101. Okay, I got 12% left on my laptop. And we're we're only like, were we 50% of the way down the state yet? <laughs> well, uh, I can talk faster. What do you mean on your laptop? Do my you laptop battery has, dying? My laptop is 12% battery oh, left. Oh, I see. Well, that should give us an hour, shouldn't it? No, it was at... Um, I think 30 when we started. I thought this lasted longer. I think using the microphone kills it faster. I guess so. Why don't you plug it in? Well, I have to borrow mom's charger. She gets really mad at me. So anyway, Paso well, Robles. Let's do part one. Paso Robles is a... Um, well, you didn't answer my question. What percentage of the way down the state are we? 50? Yeah, we're about halfway down okay. the state. So... Paso Robles is an area which is away from the ocean, pretty warm, and so what you're going to see are warm weather grapes, so it tends to produce very reliable cabs and zins, and some um, wines that tend to uh, mimic uh, southern Rhone wines. So remember, we talked about Southern Rhone wines being GSM, Grenache, Syrah, Mavedra. And you'll actually start to see some GSM wines in Paso Robles. Um, what's the nearest big city to Paso Robles? San Luis Obispo. Okay. Uh, what are those wines, Paso Robles wines, hard to come by? No. they They tend to be actually... Widely distributed and pretty inexpensive because... Oh, so bargain alert, bargain alert. Yeah, none of these wines have have achieved like breakout to where anyone is collecting them. They're very drinkable wines. uh, And one of the big producers there is actually kind of a favorite of mine, which is Jay Lohr, L-O-H-R, who produces some very serviceable um, Cabernets. What, what, What price point are we talking here? Uh, well, we're talking teens. Mm. Yeah, we're talking millennial. I like the way that sounds. Yeah, millennial bra- uh, price point. And their best wine is about $30 plus called Hilltop, which is their select cab. And it's a it's an excellent Cabernet. Okay, good to know. And so this is a warmer area. Is it going to... Does California just kind of flip-flop back and forth? Hot, cold, hot, cold? Is that what makes it such a diverse wine area? Well, that's what makes it so hard to understand in terms of the geography. I mean, I like think I have just learned that 
Wine in California is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Hot, cold, mediocre, top notch, you know. If you just pick a bottle off the shelf of Paso Robles, that will not be anywhere near as good as just picking a bottle off the shelf of Santa Lucia Highlands. I know, but what's hard is like, for example, this Talbot wine that we're drinking today, it says Pinot Noir Sleepy Hollow Vineyard. It doesn't even say California on the front, you know? No, you have to know that Sleepy Hollow is actually a vineyard within Santa Lucia Yeah, Islands. that's really... It... Well, this is where your knowledge winds up putting you ahead of the curve, because you're right. Most people who know nothing about wine would pass this up. Yeah. I saw this in the wine store $32 and, and new, this is a better bargain than virtually anything else in the store. Uh, what do you use? Maps? Like, what is there a map you can, you, uh... Well, as we mentioned before, there's that um, wine Bible by, you know, Robinson, uh, Jancis Robinson. Um, and know. it would have Sleepy Hollow Vineyard in there? Well, it would, but it wouldn't jump out at you. That's one of those things that you have to kind of... At this point in my wine education, I shouldn't be thinking I'm going to discover some great bargain. No, you should buy areas as opposed to trying to find any specific bargains. And if you concentrate on an area, then you will learn about it. And then you will subsequently be able to find bargains. And when you say an area, you mean like one AVA as opposed to like yes. California. <laughs> My yeah. area shouldn't be California. Yeah, California is way too big an area. Something like 90% of all wine made in the United States comes from California. So Really? No. Yeah. So let's, why I, don't we get to the end of no, our, our trip here? No, I think that we're already at 40 minutes and that we should okay. pause at mid of state and do part one and two. All right. So we've, um, we're going to pause at... San uh, Luis Obispo. It's at San Luis Obispo <laughs> at Paso Robles, uh, which is a great place. Uh, a lot of great, as I said, GSM-type wines. You're getting cabs and, and warm-weather grapes. Uh, but the next stop is going to be Santa Barbara with the... Uh, Santa Maria and Santa, and, uh, Santa Inez Valley, uh, which produces... But we said we weren't talking about this. I'm just saying. Preview for next week. Yeah, exactly. A whole His pan- eyes are lighting up. His whole, whole face is lighting. A panoply of different, uh, different grapes and wines. What I'm really excited for is to learn... I think we... I'll bring my microphone. My dad and I are going to Peru and honestly blink and we're there like... Time April. is so weird. We're going in April. It's just, it's November now, but I, kn- I know it's five months away, but that's going to happen so fast. The first vineyards in South America were planted in Peru. Oh, well, <laughs> we're not going, are we? To the vineyards. Uh, no, we're not going to the vineyards. We got I'm a pretty sh- tight schedule. I, I'm sure we're going to drink a lot of wine. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be drinking, but I'm going to bring my microphone if I have room in my bag, and I think we should do some live from Peru. Um, on the train. On the train. I might even do some vlogs. Do you know what a vlog is? A video log. Yeah, it's like, you know what a blog? Yes, I know. Vlog is the same thing. 
Vlogging is actually, I've tried to do it. It's just like a lot of work. Like this equal amount of work is video editing just is really time consuming. It's also very distracting in terms of trying to make the video image particularly interesting. Yeah, no, it's a, it's an art, but you know there are people who full-time do that on YouTube and make millions of dollars because they got that Google ad money. Well, that ain't us. No, that's not us. But <laughs> it could be interesting to make some vo- footage of our wine experiences. Oh, uh, not just the wine experiences, but all the experiences from that trip. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty incredible trip. But I think every time we're drinking wine, we should do like a short video diary and then sure. we can compile the whole thing. Um, yeah, well, I like this wine. It's a great wine. Sleepy Hollow, one of the first vineyards in Santa Lucia Highlands, out towards the western end of the Salinas Valley. Um, so Talbot... I don't know if Talbot owns this. You can also um, find it under a number of other uh, producers uh, who make Sleepy Hollow uh, fruit. Oh, yeah? You don't say. Okay. Well, I'm getting a 5% left on my laptop warning. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Dad Teaches Me About Wine. This one was a two-part episode, mostly because I knew we wouldn't be able to conquer all of this in one episode, one 30-minute episode. So tune in next week for California Part 2. I am Madeline Quigley. I'm Matt Quigley. Um, there's actually a couple more things I want to say before we officially tune out it. The best place for updates on this show is our Instagram, which is, uh, at dad teaches me about wine. If you have questions, comments, concerns, corrections, uh, suggestions, uh, you can email us dad teaches me about wine at gmail.com. Um, other than that, I think that's good. Oh, And if you would like to rate and review us on iTunes, that would mean so much to us. And we are currently giving anybody who leaves us a review uh, on um, iTunes a um, shout out in the podcast. Uh, We got five stars out of five on our podcast. He doesn't believe it's actually that good. He's kind of like, what the heck? Why? Anyways. um, So yes, please rate us and review us on iTunes. Um, Yeah. Well, thanks so much. And we will see you back next week. Out of jail, fresh out of jail, California dreaming. Soon as I step on the scene, I'm